episode two of Bruins Tape to Tape podcast um, with myself, Maria from Watertown, and my co-host, Caroline. We are recording today's episode on Wednesday, September 20th, on what we could deem to be a vir- somewhat of a historical day for the Boston Bruins. Correct, Carolyn? Oh, absolutely. I can't tell you how excited and thrilled I am to be a Brad Marchand fan today. (laughs) Uh, The news of his appointment as captain uh, should not have surprised anyone. I know there have always been uh, conversations about, well, should it really be him? Should there not be a captain in a series of uh, A's out there? But let's be honest. It was his to refuse, and there's no way that Brad Marchand would refuse such an honor. <laughs> well, I'd um, have to have his head examined if he if he did, but absolutely. Well, and then if he if he hadn't been offered it, I'd be calling foul for uh, all of management and ask why not. <laughs> but I'm completely uh, over the moon. I think he is so deserving to have witnessed his professional career just mature and change and grow. The fact that we are talking in 2023 about this guy who licked someone on the ice, not once, but twice in his career is now the captain of the oldest American uh, NHL team is is pretty fantastic. I think he's he's going to continue the mantle that was started by Chara. Um, you know, Chara, and actually Chara brought this attitude from Ottawa, um, from their captain, um, Alfredson, of, you know, leadership and service and this idea of being a, a good human being who gives everything and to the team and puts the team first. And um, I'm thrilled to continue to see that attitude and that leadership in the in the locker room. I think more NHL teams um, and the hockey culture needs to embrace that more. Um, he's not the people person, maybe, or the the people connector that Patrice Bergeron was, but there's nobody out there in Bruins media world who could possibly say that anyone will work harder and lead by example better than Brad Marchand. So, um, you know, I think we can realistically say we have him as a captain for two more seasons. I think he's got one more year after this upcoming season. Um, And then I wouldn't be surprised if he sails off into the sunset as a 38-year-old like Bergeron, but um, I'm, I'm thrilled and I can't wait for this season to start. (laughs) How about you, Maria? I'm actually, this is a little bit of a, you know, perhaps redemption story for Brad Marchand, you know, given, given his, his history of antics in the past and the lackluster resume that he was building early on in his career Mm -hmm. for him to have seemingly learned from those very hard lessons and lengthy sus- suspensions to become a leader on this team, I think is um, is a tremendous accomplishment for him. 
And honestly, this should have been the easiest decision that the that Bruins management and coaches could have made in terms of, you know, who the next captain of this historic franchise should have been. And, you know, he he has learned or he should have learned, and I'm sure that he has learned so much when it comes to leadership, having been under the tutelage of both Zidane Chara and Patrice Bergeron. What better examples could he have in terms of how to conduct himself as a player on the ice and off the ice and as a leader on the ice and off the ice? Uh, I'm curious to see how this translate, translate, excuse me, with his relationship with officials, Mm. because I think there has been some Brad Marchand bias when it comes to officiating in the league and the fact that on more than one occasion, officials have turned a blind eye Mm -hmm. to when Marchand has been, you know, hit from behind or tripped or whatever, you know, elbowed. I think they turn around, take a look, see that it's number 63 Mm -hmm. and skate away. My hope is that that will change and there'll be a level of respect mm. that develops. It works both ways. It works both ways. But, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that this, this bias um, will start to, to wane um, during his tenure as, as a Bruins captain. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, too, that I looked up some stats on Brad Marchand. Okay. And specifically, I looked at the um, playoffs Mm. between the Bruins and the Panthers. Mm. And he, in seven games, had only two minutes of penalties in Mm -hmm. seven games, Mm -hmm. which is virtually unheard of for him. And I think that's a testament to him in knowing that, you know, this, this is now business. We're in the playoffs. We're playing without our captain and our leader. And he took those reins on fully and seriously and conducted himself exceedingly well on the ice. Mm-hmm. So I, I have high hopes yeah, for the little I, ball of hate. <laughs> <laughs> the Rat King himself. I have, I, one of the things that I admire the most about him as a player that I feel like there's no one who can do this thing. And that is his ability to drag the team and turn them around single-handedly. I mean, you've seen it time and time again when, you know, the team is either not into the game or, things aren't going their way. And, you know, it's like the team is just in a funk in the middle of a game. And it's like, he just decides, nope, this is not acceptable. We need to get going. We need to get a spark, whether it's roughing somebody up or just taking matters into his own hands and going and scoring a shorthanded goal. I think I could cannot think of another player on the team right now 
who has the ability to just decide, nope, we're not doing this. And he just jumps right in and leads the charge. And whatever it is that he does, nine times out of ten, really gets the team back in the game, really brings them back to life. Um, and that's, you know, a, a tremendous asset to the team, no matter what position, um, no matter what leadership position that you're in. Um, you know, and I think in recent years, to your point of him having, you know, maybe not nearly as many penalty minutes, although he still he still does a pretty good job. Um, they're just maybe not majors as much as frequently anymore. But, you know, sometimes he'll use that uh, to get things going. Um, but more often than not, in his later part of his career, he's definitely using um, more of his skill as a player to do that little bit of a turnaround uh, motivator as opposed to just deciding to go out there and participate in extracurriculars to get the team going. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he balances that because while I don't think that he will change who he is necessarily out on the ice, um, maybe, maybe that, maybe the fact that that letter on his chest is a C now will be that motivating factor to help keep him in line since his his best friend isn't there to to be that guy um, with the departure of Bergeron. So, and who knows? We can only be optimistic that the the referees that are out there can at least at minimum respect his captaincy, if not him as a player. So. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to talk to him whether they want to or not, because he does wear a C. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> whether exactly. They, they choose to listen to him um, will be a different different story. But, I, you know, I've always referred to Brad as the glue that holds the team together. 100%. And the, he needs to play. He, he's at his best when he plays with a little bit of that rat effect in his game, his his problem has always been knowing when to not cross that line. And I, I think that that has gotten exceedingly better yes. over his career years. Yep. And, you know, I, I know that he has any number of critics and, you know, people who, oh, I can't stand Brad Marchand. <laughs> Those are the same people that would love to have a Brad Marchand on their team. They can say all they want with their holier than now. I would never have that guy on my team, mm -hmm. but you would love him if you were, he were on your team. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, with pasta and Chucky being the alternates, I'm, I'm taking the, you know, Instagram announcement, the image that they posted to mean, Perhaps they are not doing a rotation as they have in the past, you know, with back when Bergeron was an assistant um, or an alternate captain under Chara. And then for Marshy under Berge, there always seemed to be one person who ha held the permanent A and then the second A would kind of go through a rotation. Um, so I don't know what your take is or if you've heard anything since the news broke. Um, but I kind of take it to mean like, nope, this is this is the leadership core. It's your it's three guys. We've slimmed down. We're keeping it tight. I don't know. What do you think? So my my understanding is, is that there will not be a rotation. 
mm-hmm. uh, from what I've you know seen and read on um, online and, and various social media posts is that um, those two young men, both Pasta mm-hmm. and McAvoy, are going to be wearing those A's on their jerseys. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, those are excellent choices. I think it's a hat tip, certainly to the future. Um, you know, just in a side conversation with my dad, who's been a Bruins fan since the fifties, probably, <laughs> um, you know, he, he's of course thrilled with Marchand, but he also recognizes he's like, it's only a matter of time before we see Chucky with that next C. Um, and so uh, this being kind of that hat tip, like, you know, sort of has it has been with at least one player over the last few years. Uh, this is yours to lose. This is yours to say no to. This is the big chance that you can show that you can kind of take that next step under, again, the tutelage of someone who's been there for a long time and who has um, really upholds the mission and values of the organization. So it'll be um, it'll be a lot of fun to see these young guys, uh, you know, for as much as I loved Chara and crazy respect for him and everything. Um, you know, he really stunted the timeline for some of these guys who are my age in their ability to be captains for any lengthy period of time because of his exceptionally long captaincy. But, um, you know, it's, I feel really good about the next era that the Bruins are looking at. Um, you know, I think once Brad Marchand hangs up the skates, we'll be entering into a new era of the Bruins and whatever that looks like. Um, but, you know, speaking of eras, you know, they just released the historic 100. We've got Chucky on there. Uh, Marshy was on there. Bergie was on there. Chara was on there. Um, what do you think? Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me preface this by saying <laughs> I understand all of the pomp and circumstance yeah. around the centennial season mm-hmm. and the unveiling of, you know, the jerseys and the historic 100. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little perplexed by some of the selections yeah. on this list and you know, the, the, the very first one that struck me on this list right right off the bat when, when I looked at it was uh, Phil Kessel, which yeah. I, I, I really don't, I don't understand why Phil Kessel is, is on this list. He, he was, you know, a, a Boston Bruins for all of a nanosecond. Yeah. Um, he, he wasn't here very long. Um, I'm not really sure what impact Phil Kessel had on the Bruins historically or as part of this centennial group. So that that left me um, that left me a little bit puzzled. Yeah, you know, I think I was surprised uh, as well. And, you know, kind of as it's come up in conversation before I don't know if I should be embarrassed to admit, but I don't remember him even being a Bruin. <laughs> and I was very much so an adult when he was playing. So I have no excuse of the haze of childhood to, to, to blame on uh, me not remembering him as a Bruin. But, you know, and it's not necessarily a knock to him. I mean, 
Iron Man, phenomenal player, multiple cups. Like he's clearly a very talented um, hockey player. He's he's a legend. Um, but that's kind of the only reasoning or, or thought process that I could I had um, when I saw his name is the fact that here's someone who is a legendary hockey player um, who has redefined what commitment to the game means through his lengthy um, streak of play of games. Um, but how that specifically translates into being a player who really defines the Boston Bruins makes it a head scratcher to me. You know, I, my idea behind or understanding behind that list um, and the, the whole point behind this fun uh, exercise that I'm doing with my dad, where he's coming up with his list and I'm going to come up with my own list out of the hundred there. Um, You know, it's to me, the assignment was who are the franchise players who have defined what it means to be a Boston Bruin, who in 20 or 30 years, um, or even the current players uh, who, when they're growing up and they're watching the Boston Bruins, those players that they're watching are the guys who are the literal definition of what it means to be a Bruin, right? You say big, bad Bruins, you know who I'm talking about. You know about the guys that I'm talking about. You want to talk about, you know, uh, the definition of the power forward and and the that introduction of that concept and idea into the NHL. You know what era I'm talking about, you know? Like, so those are the guys who defined this team over the course of 100 years, that's the reputation of the Boston Bruins. And so, you know, even, even, uh, what do they call him? Big Joe Jumbo. Yeah. Jumbo Joe. He hasn't been a Boston Bruin in good Lord. 20 years. I don't know. It's been a long time. He was, he, he was, he was escorted out the back door in 2005, 2006 season. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, uh, but I would say, he definitely contributed to the, you know, the the mythology of being a Boston Bruin because, you know, when he came in as a young player, he was the future and he defined the team going into the turn of the century and really teeing up the team to get launched into, you know, our modern golden era, so to speak, right? That we saw and witnessed under Chara and, you know, the 2011 team and today. So I agree with you. I don't really know uh, what, what, what they were thinking when they picked him, but um, you know, again, no disrespect to Phil Kessel, but a Boston Bruin, I don't think so. And here's the other, there seems to be in, in, in going down through this list, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I guess is understandable. A, a lot of sentimentality where you see, you know, many players who were on Stanley Cup champion teams, which I, I guess, you know, understandable. But, you know, I, I see the name of Johnny Boychuk mm-hmm. from the 2011 Stanley Cup champions, who, again, was that that defense was unbelievable mm-hmm. for us yep. back then. 
But yet I scroll down, I scroll down and I think, wow, if Johnny Boychuk is on this list, Mm -hmm. then Adam McQuaid should be on this list. Right. And he is not. And Adam McQuaid now works in the Bruins organization. Right. So I'm not quite, I'm not quite understanding (laughs) how some of this came to be. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, you know, looking at the lengthy list of the the members of the committee, um, I mean, it is a it is a very lengthy list. Um, a lot of the the folks who are on that committee, I think, are folks who have probably been in the Boston media scene. Uh, there are obviously some um, wider, you know, national level folks on there, like Doc. Um, mm-hmm. love and respect, uh, you know, and, um, some other folks from, you know, the NHL level, but I, I get the sense kind of that most of these folks who are on the committee are modern day, uh, media folks. And perhaps there's an element of, like you said, that nostalgia because they were either, you know, covering it young in their career or, you know, they were deep in their career and they were covering the 2011 um, Stanley Cup run. Um, But I don't know how many of these folks, you know, were really deep into their career back in the 80s when you had Ray Bork and Cam Neely or back in the 70s, you know, when you had um, Orr and and those guys and Espo. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that had something to do with it. Just kind of the modern day bias of, you know, that was a great team. No one's disputing that team was a great team. No one's disputing that what that team accomplished and did was tremendous because it was the first Stanley Cup since the 70s. Um, but if that's the reason, then why do you draw the line at some of those guys? And not you know, all of and them. And not all of those guys, because that team was phenomenal. That team worked together. That team clicked so well i mean right well they they became rock stars and they were the reason they were the reason that folks went crazy for hockey Mm -hmm. that they are the reason that that team is the reason that kids started playing hockey again Mm -hmm. rinks were sprouting up everywhere in and around the greater Boston area. So I, I think that's a little bit of why I'm, I'm somewhat confused by some of the perhaps nostalgic approach Mm -hmm. um, to to some of the players. I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be on this list. I'm just saying that, you know, there were other players that could have also been included here Mm -hmm. that played, you know, a critical part in those Stanley Cup championships. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. We'll never know. I'll be super curious what the original, you know, unlimited length list was. Who knows? Maybe maybe they didn't have 100 guys and they just needed to fill a few more spots. <laughs> we don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And they were just like, all right, well, who are the best ones of 2011? But, you know, it's very uh, subjective and not scientific whatsoever, but that's okay. It gives us some some food for thought, and uh, hopefully I will have uh, completed my assignment. Um, you should also participate, Maria, and maybe we can get my dad to come on um, and share our historic rosters. Um, 
the due date is before the puck drops in October for game one. So there's a little bit of time. I'm I'm going to have a hard time creating a full roster out of that. Uh, listen, I, I have a funny feeling that your your any whatever editing tool you uh, you are going to use for that will be uh, will be working overtime. <laughs> yes. Yep. To to narrow it down to the what twenty uh, some odd roster, that's going to be hard. But hard to do when you look at that list of names. And to do, to do it without, you know, the bias that I am accusing the committee of having because I wasn't around for, you know, some of these these guys who are on there, um, you know, who are original Bruins, like from 100 years ago. So we're good. I want to respect the past, but, you know, it's going to be hard. <laughs> Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll circle back to that. I'm sure there'll be further conversation on um, as ballots or rosters perhaps start getting leaked on social media. Yep. Yep. Well, today was the first day of uh, training camp. So that's uh, it begins. Right. We here we are. It's the first day of school for the NHL. It's like it's like the the. the Christmas Day to it some is. degree. Christmas really Day is. to some degree. Yeah, it really is. I'm excited to see what some of these um, these young kids can do. I'm not um, always, you know, in the know or on the up and up on uh, what's going down in uh, Providence. And but it's always good to kind of at least then put a, a face to the name. You know, you hear these names of some of these kids like Lysel and Bussy and. Um, all those guys. And so to have the opportunity to actually watch them a little bit, because I'm out of network technically, even though I managed to get my hands on some nests and I don't get a chance to really watch any Providence games. So it'll be good to kind of see what those young guys do. Well, the, these are names that we've been hearing um, for, a, a, you know, at least two seasons, I would think at this point. So mm-hmm. um It'll be interesting to see if any of them are um, any closer to being ready mm-hmm. for prime time. Yeah. You know, but I, 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 I believe that, you know, management is still working in a let's win now mentality. So I'm not quite sure if, you know, those, those uh, guys will have a sniff um, at, at the roster with, with the big boys, but uh, time will tell. I'm also curious to see how things work out on these PTO tryouts for Danton Heinen and Alex Chason. Yep. And, you know, it was, it was almost comical to be on social media and read the reaction from, <laughs> from, from fans and the outrage Ugh. that, you know, these guys would be given an opportunity to 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 play for the Bruins and they didn't sign Bertuzzi. And let me educate people. PTO <laughs> means professional tryout. The Bruins are under no financial obligation at this point in time to pay these gentlemen, these players, any monies. They will work to earn a roster spot virtually for free right now. And from what I've seen statistically Mm -hmm. on both Danton Heinen and Alex Chason, Mm -hmm. they have been productive players. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be superstars, 
but you don't have the ability to fill your team with superstars because the cap in the NHL is a real thing, people. It's real. Unless it's real, except if you're Toronto, who's literally $13 million over the cap and twice as high as the second place highest over the cap team. (laughs) Well, and and they're going to need to get cap cap compliant because they only have a certain period of time that they are allowed to be over the cap. Mm -hmm. So that franchise is going to need to get that figured out and figured out at a minimum before the season starts, if not sooner. So good luck to them. Good luck to them. Um, Yeah, but you're absolutely right. You know, uh, I, you look at last season with uh, Strawman, which, you know, sucks. It didn't really work out for him. No, but no, these guys, like you said, they're going to bust their butts to just to be on the team for the chance to be on the Bruins. Um, you know, if they make the team, their contract is going to be the agreement that they come to with them is going to be very team friendly. You know, they're not going to be making a ton of money, but they're chasing a dream and they want to be on arguably, you know, one of the best teams. Um, it's the Bruins. I mean, for crying out loud, it's centennial season. They want to be where where the action is. Um you know, and there's nothing wrong, and I and I think it's in management's best interest to have a really well-rounded um, rosters. You know, so to your point, like you can't have ten guys making bank because then you will be to Toronto Maple Leafs with three guys making over ten million and like another three or four guys making over five million. That's only uh, like ten guys. The, the, <laughs> this is at the cap. Right. This this is why it gets frustrating sometimes, you know, sometimes listening to sports talk radio and the folks who call in. The numbers don't lie. Right. They don't lie that, you know, the cap may be crap in the NFL, but it's not in the NHL. And the money structure and the rev, the TV revenues and the advertising revenue, all vastly different. You can't even compare one sport to the other. Right. So I, I don't envy any general manager in the league right now. Right. And, you know, maybe they misjudged or maybe they were putting too much faith in the fact that the cap was going to go up this season and it did not go up right. this season. How would you like to be Steven Stamkos right now, mm-hmm. sitting there wondering why the Tampa Bay Lightning haven't even started engaging in any conversations to extend you. You want to know why? Because they can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's, it's the fact that like, I'm, I'm checking out capfriendly.com, which if you don't know about it or you don't uh, follow that website, uh, definitely a super, super helpful website and understanding the cap and, and all the money thing, because that can get complicated very, very quickly. Um, but they've got some really great um, tables and graphs and charts and things to really make it clear, like what is going on. And, you know, I'm looking right now and for um, Tampa Bay, you've got three guys who comprise 30 percent of the cap. Like of like it, <laughs> you, you can't have a team of superstars, not just because 
I mean, if anyone has ever seen uh, the movie Miracle and they talk about how the reason why, you know, the NHL all-star team couldn't beat the Russians was because it was all all-stars and they all are superstars. <laughs> but there are roles that are played on teams and not just, you know, forward and defenseman, winger and center. There are roles that there that you have, right? So you've got the guys who are the superstars. We've got our pasta. He is our superstar. We got one. That's okay. We only need one as long as he scores 60 goals, right? Uh, then you've got your, um, old reliables or the thumpers, right? These are your bottom six guys who are there playing every single game. Like Charlie Coyle, he play, I, I mean, he's got multiple seasons where he hasn't missed a single game. He's there every game. He's reliable. You know what you're going to get out of him. You've got your power forwards, um, you know, like guys like Lucic who are going to go out there and they're going to, he's going to throw his body around and he's going to be the enforcer. Um, and then you just have guys who are bodies like you do need to have people you can call up if somebody is sick, if somebody breaks a foot, like everybody has a role and people need to understand that when you have that super well-rounded team, that's when you have a lot of success. I mean, I think the fact that last season for the Bruins they had that. They had somebody and they had multiple somebodies in all of those roles so that no matter what, Marshan was out with surgery. Chucky was out with surgery. Forbert broke both feet at some point during the season and he was out multiple times. Because they had all those roles covered, they always had somebody who could step in who could, and do the right. job. So it didn't matter who was necessarily present on that day they had the right guys and that's how you build a team not by paying all of your guys 10 million dollars so <laughs> that's that's the hill i'll die on <laughs> I, I, sometimes i think that fans think that everything is about fantasy sports yes mm. in a perfect world if you had unlimited money and unlimited cap space of course, you'd want your general manager and your ownership to go out and build your, your fantasy super team. Mm -hmm. But when you don't have that ability, mm -hmm. right, you need to work within the parameters of what your league is telling you that you can or cannot spend. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So it'll be a... Uh... It'll be interesting. Everything's interesting because at this point in the season, the potential, you know, the unknown, anything can happen. So I'm excited for us to just get going and just start watching, just start watching some hockey. Cause well, it'll be interesting too, as we get closer to the start of the season, whether or not, you know, deals start percolating as I'm looking at cap friendly and looking at some of these teams mm -hmm. and the degree to which they're, over their cap and you know how they're going to try to alleviate mm -hmm. that burden or some um, of these guys who are still unsigned and you're like how how have they not been signed because like because of the cap no one can because of the cap right no general manager is going to take that risk right now until they know what the cap is likely to be in the next season. Yep. 
I think next next season is when you'll see a virtual free for all. But I think for right now, you know, a, a lot of teams are are virtually handcuffed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, so we don't have a, a ton of time. Left. We do not. We do not. <laughs> we like so, to keep things uh, short and to yep, the point. Short and to the point. So just a couple of um, little little um, tidbits where, mm-hmm. you know, I think we could do a little segment of, you know, maybe a little hockey drama or some <laughs> hockey tea. Yes. But I found the situation with Mike Babcock to mm-hmm. be so interesting. Yeah. And so um, I don't want to say enjoyable because obviously there, there were players, there were players who were clearly, um, clearly uncomfortable enough to reach out to other players who have a media platform to make them aware of what yeah. is going on. And when the news dropped of what my, Mike Babcock had asked his younger players to do, it dropped on um, the Spit and Chicklets podcast mm-hmm. by Paul Biznasty. He, he received a text message um, indicating that, you know, Babcock had asked younger players for their phones. He wanted to take their pictures and project them on the wall in, in, on the pretense of getting to know them as players. Now, I would like to think maybe there would be different ways to do that without having to ask someone to virtually hand over your phone. And if this was the first sketchy thing that Babcock had done, you could say, okay, listen, maybe, you know, maybe he doesn't understand, you know, the new world that we live in. Maybe he doesn't understand that, you know, it's really not appropriate to ask any employee to hand over their personal phone right. for you to go through freely. But this isn't the first time that Babcock has pulled crap like this. Mm-hmm. There's well-documented um, incident where he asked Mitch Marner to provide him with a list of the 10 players that he thought didn't have like the best work ethic. He then Babcock, then proceeded to share that with those players and then base and told them where the list came from. Now, Marna was a rookie mm-hmm. when he did this. There was another instance where he apparently invited a young player over to his home for lunch on the mm-hmm. pretense of lunch, again, asking him to hand over his phone because he wanted to look through his pictures, take a look, took a look through his pictures, said something that wasn't very kind, apparently, and then proceeded to send the player on his way. Mm-hmm. So this guy's a dickhead as far as I'm concerned. And you know what? The Columbus Blue Jackets are idiots for not doing their homework on this guy before they hired him. Yep. Yeah. You know, I think... Um... I think what you are referring to with the the level of enjoyment is, uh, as I like to say, ah, the schadenfreude. Yes. Uh, Enjoy the discomfort of others and not necessarily players. We're not talking about, you know, being okay with and, and, 
enjoying watching players go through something that's difficult and potentially traumatic, but just the fact that at least, thank God, it's not the Bruins. Um, and, you know, you're right. Uh, we don't know what the truth is. There's what, you know, what Babcock says, what players say, what the team says, um, and then there's the truth. Um, but at the end of the day, if there are players who said, you know, this was uncomfortable and this was not okay, and there were other players who said it was okay, two things can be true at the same time. Um, but we need to respect those players who said that they were uncomfortable because at the end of the day, it's a workplace and you don't want to be uncomfortable at work. Um, Ian Mendez on The Athletic had a really, really great um, article about, you know, in, why are we looking to give some of these types of coaches second chances? Like, why, why, why are we even bothering? Like, how many chances do they need to have? Like, you know, he talked about how um, Columbus management, you know, swore up and down. They did their homework. They interviewed the people that knew the guy and, you know, so on and so forth. And it's like, really? You could do a cursory search and you can hear about the story that Chris Chelios had uh, in, a, in an uh, online article years ago, I think in 2019, about some of the things he personally witnessed Babcock say and do to other players. Um, you know, so it, I, I agree with uh, well, Babcock Mendes, wanted like, to he talking to <laughs> Babcock wanted to bench Chelios for an outdoor game. <laughs> and the owner went yeah. to Babcock and said, you got to play this guy. Right. Babcock gave him a shift in the first period and then sat him for the rest of the game. Yeah. You know, I, people talk a lot about how hockey culture has and hasn't changed. Um, it's changed in a lot of ways. Um, you know, as the younger generations come in, what those players deem acceptable treatment by the coaching staff has changed. Um, and that's okay. You know, uh, just because it was okay back in the 80s to get you know, verbally abused by your coach doesn't mean it's okay today. And it doesn't make those players any less of a player because again, consider it like your day job. That's what, that's what this is. So nobody would like to be made uncomfortable. Nobody would like to get verbally abused by their boss at work. So why should we expect that, um, of our, of our pro hockey players, you know? So I, we've seen this come up multiple times, whether it's coaches or players or whatever, how many times do we have to give people chances? You know, you've got these coaches who bounce around um, because they have stints that are a handful of years and then they leave the team because of, you know, internal conflict, uh, interpersonal conflict. And it's like, if that keeps happening at multiple jobs, then it might not be the players. It might be the coach, <laughs> you know, um, look at the so. common denominator. And, you know, the other thing I don't like about situations like this is, um, and I, I don't like the fact that the spit and chicklets podcast, mm. specifically Paul Bissonette, and I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, <laughs> but don't call someone a liar when you don't know the facts, okay? Mm -hmm. Those guys have direct connections yeah. with past players and present players. 
they don't make stuff up. Mm. And the fact that players were reaching out directly to either Ryan Whitney mm-hmm. or Biz to get this information out there shows the level of discomfort and concern that they had for having Mike Babcock right. coaching again. So please, before you start throwing stones at someone, wait until you hear everything. Because this information has now not only been corroborated by the Spit and Chicklets guys, it's been corroborated by Chris Chelios, by Mike Commodore. And, oh, let's not forget the fact that Marty Walsh, who's now the head of the NHL Players Association, is also investigating this. So it was no surprise that by the time all of this came to fruition, Mike Babcock had resigned. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it, it sucks for the players. It's, it's unfortunate, um, you know, for the Columbus fans. Cause you know, God, I would, I would, I would be so heartbroken if something like that happened here in Boston. I mean, we came close, right. <laughs> With the player who we won't name. Um <laughs> But, you know, it. I'm glad that things resolved quickly, you know, again, not knowing exactly what happened, but knowing enough that players were not comfortable. They recognized the situation as something that was unacceptable and they reached out to the Players Association and that, you know, the union res- took it seriously and they responded and they investigated. So I was pleased to know that, you know, just like any other workplace, they've got protections because um, they don't, players don't deserve to to work in an environment where they're not comfortable. No one does. No one does. Whether you're a professional athlete, you know, what, what whatever your chosen profession is, you mm-hmm. should never be uncomfortable in your workplace. And so better to rip the Band-Aid off now, you're right, um, with regard to the Columbus Blue Jackets, Get, get this over with, have the questions be asked during, you know, during training camp, let, let the senior players on the team, your captain, whatever, you know, answer whatever questions and then just, just move on from it. Yep. Um, and just quickly in closing, I just want to um, encourage anyone who hasn't listened to one of the most recent Spit and Chicklets podcasts with um, their special guest, Tuka Rask. He <laughs> was tremendous on mm-hmm. this podcast. He was very open, very honest, very entertaining. And mm-hmm. the one tidbit that I found um, that was my, my favorite drop of his interview segment was a story that perc- was percolating. I can't even remember what season. It was so long ago, but um the Bruins, the last game of the season, they were playing the Ottawa Senators. And the Bruins needed to win that game in order to have a chance to make it into the playoffs mm-hmm. as a number, um, I believe, a number eight seed. Mm-hmm. And Tuka Rask is a huge fan of Buffs Pub in Newton. Mm-hmm. It's within walking distance to his home. They are famous for their wings. Mm-hmm. He had was seen there the night before 
probably having his wings. And the morning of the game, he wasn't able to play the game because of an illness. And speculation started swirling about the fact that maybe the wings didn't agree with Tuca and he had a bathroom issue going on. Well, Tuca confirmed that that was a rumor that was started by the owner's daughter. For whatever reason, she thought it was a good idea to put that story out there. And of course, the media being the media, just, you know, sports talk radio just ran with it. So it was unfortunate. Um, Tuca didn't seem too bothered by it, <laughs> uh, no. but I found that very interesting. But I would encourage, um, I would encourage anyone to, um, to, to listen to that because I, I, he just seemed so comfortable on the mic. Yeah. Well, you know how I feel about is nasty in the I know you do yes <laughs> I, I I I have started listening uh to that interview because I'll listen to any any Bruin former uh or current to listen to what they have to say about the team and the culture and the things that they've done um I just find it really fascinating I'm a huge fan of behind the bee so uh any any time that they're being interviewed I'll always listen so I'm halfway through, and I'm excited to hear that story come straight from him. <laughs> was pretty, my ears perked up, and I'm like, did I just hear what I thought I heard? Let me rewind this just to make sure. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I've, I've, I always have fun chatting hockey with you. and uh, Well, hopefully our listeners will find this entertaining. We've uh, exceeded our, our allotted time that we set for ourselves. So, um Thanks to to all who take the uh, um, time to to listen to our podcast. Uh, any and all feedback is is welcome. Just um, just be respectful with your feedback. That's all we ask. And uh, we look forward to chatting some more hockey in the uh, in the coming weeks. Absolutely, I can't wait. Talk soon, everyone. Bye now. <laughs>